Fracture prints your digital photos directly onto glass, making your favorite moments come alive in vivid color. Hand-assembled in the USA, Fracture glass prints are a unique and beautiful way to display and share your favorite moments. Simply upload your photo at FractureMe.com, select your size, and your glass print will be shipped to you, ready to hang with just one screw. Use code POD15 to get 15% off your order today. That's code POD15 at FractureMe.com. Now is the chance to use reliable energy to grow your money with the Dominion Energy Reliability Investment. Our new investment product offers competitive returns, no maintenance fees, and flexible online access to your money. Make the reliable investment in reliable energy. The Dominion Energy Reliability Investment. To find out more, go online to reliabilityinvestment.com. That's reliabilityinvestment.com. What's up, guys? This is Kerry Rhodes, and you're listening to Mavs Fans for Life podcast. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I. Got it. Here it is. Corner, Luca. Joining us now on the Mavs Fans for Life podcast, it's me, as always, your co-host and my co-host, Michael Terrazas, and the owner of the site, Landon Thomas. And we have a very special guest with us tonight. Joining us is former NFL All-Pro Safety, Kerry Rhodes. How are you doing, Kerry? I'm doing good, man. I, I know we're, we scheduled this podcast really, really close to the game, so I'm kind of nervous. I'm, I'm trying to get through the questions and get through the interviews, but also be present and be here. So it's, no, really, it's, it's, it's an honor, man. Thank you. Yeah, well, we, we really appreciate you coming on. And, uh, yeah, we, we did schedule this recording uh, about 30 minutes before tip-off of the Rockets <laughs> game. So, uh, so we, we, we accommodated Carrie and ourselves being able to watch the, the Mavs tonight. But, uh, yeah, so I, I guess to get started, Carrie, um, yeah. in, in, in looking into different things that you've, that you've done, uh, post-career, obviously you had a fantastic career in the NFL. Um, Thank you. You know, regarding your football career, what sort of impact has it had on your viewpoint of sports now as a fan post career? Because you know, the the reason that you're that you're on this podcast is because is because you know you're you're a Mavs fan and you've interacted with Landon and built a relationship from there. So yeah. I, I guess I've all, I've always kind of envied the former professional athlete's viewpoint of watching a game. So mm-hmm. how, how has that affected your viewpoint uh, now as a fan on out on the outside? A lot, man, because of actually going through the grind, right? Like going through the wars, uh, going through the training camps, going through the individual practices and, and knowing what that entails and knowing what it takes to go through that grind, you know? Uh, so obviously from the outside looking in, that's just a fan. You 
you want to appreciate the game, but you also find yourself being really critical of, of the players and you find yourself wanting to be that sideline coach, that person that knows everything that's going on or what the coach should be doing or what the players should be doing or how they should be behaving. And uh, when you have actually been in those wars, I, me personally, I, I like to give them the benefit of the doubt because I know they put in the work or, or they wouldn't be playing or they wouldn't be who they are in those situations. So for me, I'm a little bit lenient, but I do understand how the casual fan can be really, really, really invested in it in a way where it seems abrasive or it seems too critical because, I mean, you invest your time in, in, in those guys and, and you invest your, t- your, your time and, and your money and your, your well-being in those guys to, to, kind of, to kind of, you know, take, take you out of your normal everyday life and, and normal everyday being, right? And so it's, it's almost like a catalyst for, for others to, 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 to kind of live this fantasy world where their normal problems are gone for a little while, for those two hours, two and a half hours or whatever, and you get to exist in this world where, I mean, only a few people make it to the big leagues, right, in any level. So to, to, to kind of appreciate it and be invested in something where the result doesn't really hinge off of you or your support like you think it does, it's, uh, it, it, it makes it makes it difficult. So I understand both sides. But for me, as somebody that was in it, I I give those guys the benefit of the doubt more or I give them more of a, I guess, a little bit more slack than a normal fan would. Yeah, that, it, it's interesting to, to think about how, you know, fans oftentimes uh, I'm probably guilty of this, too. You know, <laughs> their, their criticisms of players are oftentimes pretty unfounded and you you're right you you do you don't always realize the work that goes into it and the battles that go into it so that, that, that is interesting for sure yeah yeah definitely I mean yeah I'm I'm a Colts guy so I, I have a Colts side and I cover the Colts and I've been very critical of you know like DC Matt Eberflus and a couple of players and it's just like oh man why this why that but I mean you're I'm not on the sideline I'm not in those meetings, halftime adjustments, all that stuff. So, I mean, when you study the game to a certain point, you would like to think that you are on that level of the coaches and the players that have been on this for like way more longer than you have. So uh, I think, you know, people should also, you know, take into account a lot of these players' feelings because they are also sons, daughters, their fathers, their mothers, their husbands, their brothers, their sisters, uh, wives, all that stuff. So uh, especially in this world of social media. But my next question for you was what influenced you to be so outspoken after your football career? Obviously, you are very uh, a decorated athlete, but you've been just as prolific in your post playing days from podcasting to acting to writing to producing. Not every other athlete. I mean, they, they don't do that. Yeah. Yeah, for me, man, it was always, I always knew that I was going to do something after the game. For me, the game was, while I was in it, obviously 100% invested. And uh, and it was my life and my world at that time. But I always had, you know, aspirations and bigger plans outside of the game. And I think a lot of guys, obviously, which is what you tend to do, it's hard not to. You you, you really invest everything in, in those moments and being a professional athlete and all the things that that entails. But you also got to understand this thing doesn't last long. Right. And so what's going to be the foundation once you're done. And I, I always knew that I was going to be in, into, into an entertainment in some kind of capacity. And uh, 
I was a theater minor in college, so I've always had that kind of that kind of background and that type of uh, aspiration. So for me, it was very easy as far as what the next move was going to be. But now, as far as me finding my voice and being outspoken and being somebody that wants to tell the truth and wants to uh, inspire others and, and, and have others think in a different way, it's just me really doing soul searching for myself. I mean, once I got done with the game, obviously the transition happened and it seemed seamless, but it wasn't. I mean, I've had moments of depression. I've had moments of real trying to understand who I am as an individual because I've been attached to this carry the football player for predominantly, predominantly all my life, right? So to kind of detach myself from that and be the man that I want to be moving forward, I had to really do some soul searching and dive deep, man. And so I did that, um, kind of went on my spiritual path and found who I, who I was and who I wanted to be and who I wanted to represent. I wanted to be a man of integrity. I want to be a man that helps others speak their speak their minds and, and speak their truths truths and so for me being a catalyst that way and being the person that stands in front of you guys now being able to you know what you graciously said in, in your introduction be associated with that was was the biggest battle for me and so now i stand comfortably uh happily um authentically the person that i am now and so it took time but that's just who i was and, and who i invested myself into being so for so for that, and I don't want you to speak for other athletes because clearly they have a lot of other things going for you. But when you were in, I guess you could say towards the tail end or maybe even early, were you already building up, you know, those bridges of what you wanted to do? And also when it comes to, you know, help mentoring people, do you also do that? Even, you know, forget about football and everything. Do you just help mentor people as men or as women or in anything like that? Anybody, yeah, but number, to, answer, to answer your first question, yeah, I was already kind of bridging those gaps. I had relationships, uh, obviously, playing in a big market like New York. It was very easy to uh, meet people and have those uh, relationships already starting to form or build, and so I had that. And uh, I think one of the, the hardest things for me, once I even, even having those assets and having those people on board, to act, actually ask for help, right? To actually say, look, I'm done. You know, we had this great conversation about this story that we could do together or whatever the case may be. Let's can we revisit that? So having putting your ego to the side and, and understanding that it takes more than one person to do anything in this world and to actually allow people to help you was a big thing. Um, and so I had to kind of relearn that after football. But, yeah, I mean, I was already building, stacking the blocks, getting ready for the next uh, next phase. But um, it, it's that part is not easy, man, because we believe as athletes we can do it all right we can we can we can do whatever we want by ourselves we don't need people to pat us on the back or, or make this thing happen for us because we've done that we put in the work and we get the results right where you go into entertainment or you go into that next phase it's like you can do the work and still you can be better than somebody as well but not get that job or not get that position based off of the relationship somebody else has with somebody else that gets that job right so all these things happen and you learn as you get older and you learn as you mature and, and, and really understand how the world works. But yeah, that kind of happened. And, and tell me the second part of that question again. Uh, when you're mentoring others, yeah. is it also people for that are in and also outside of football? Yes, 100%. Just everybody. I think we all need it. I think as, uh, as humans, man, we tend to to uh, run, we, we tend to run away from the truth a lot because the truth hurts and the truth sometimes is unbearable. But once you understand that the truth is the way to enlightenment, man, you kind of 
you, for me personally, I, I ran towards that because that's who I want to be. And so I think living in my truth and living in my power and making that accessible to people, man, it, it, you'll, you'll be surprised at how many people reach out to you and you don't have to reach out to because they see you and they see the joy you're living with and they, say, they see the way you're living. And in such a real way, um, it makes it easier for me to help mentor and, and be that vessel that I want to be anyway. And so everybody, I mean, men, women, children, whoever, but a lot of football players, a lot of, a lot of sports guys, a lot of, uh, of the sports agents, managers, they all reach out to me and ask me like, what are you doing? Like, what's going on? And they're just eager to find out how to, to find that joy and be happy, man. So it comes organically. So I, I guess my next question is to kind of play off of that is you, you talked a lot about, you know, you're an athlete for all these years and then you have to figure out this next phase of your life. And I, I can only imagine from, from eight, from elementary school, probably up through your retirement, all like, it's just been all football, all football, you're dedicating your life to it. Yeah. And yeah, you do have to find that post-career identity. Um, and then my net, I guess that leads into my question. Um, we kind of touched on a lot of the different things you've gotten to do post-career. Um, yeah. what, what would you say is your proudest achievement or proudest moment post-career in terms of, oh. it could be anything. It could be, you know, yeah. something in your family, something you did ach achievement-wise publicly. Um, yeah. What would you say it is? Oh, that's very, that's a very tough question. I mean, that's so many things, so many things, man. I think number one, like I said, kind of finding myself and finding my voice, right? Like being, being that person and finding that true joy for myself has been one of the biggest things because as an athlete, you know, we invest so much time and we're told we have to be a certain way. We can't be, we can't show true emotion sometimes. We can't be uh, empathetic and compassionate because I mean, an empathetic, compassionate athlete probably is not the best athlete, right? So you have to throw that to the wind, right? But as you get, as you get um, out of the game and you mature and you find yourself, like that's who I am. And so kind of finding that person um, and, and, and honoring that person was probably the biggest thing for me. But I mean, as far as like achievements and stuff, I mean, I've, I mean, I've produced and starred in my own movies that, that was in theaters that I, you know, that I produced and starred in. Um, I'm on a T, I was on a TV show on Oprah's Oprah Network, Oprah Winfrey Network and um, starred in that for, you know, five, six seasons and just finished a movie now that I just finished uh, a couple of months ago and writing my next movie right now. So, man, just busy. And then um, and also finishing my first EP right now, just um I'm like eight songs in on my first uh, first single uh, first uh, record with my with my band, uh, which is called Within Within, and uh, that's that's been really cool. So in terms of movies, uh, you gonna get a Jason versus Michael going, or or we gotta <laughs> we gotta wait longer on that? Yeah, we don't want no more Jason versus Michael. We uh we gotta we gotta be creative. We gotta do something that's. Uh, <laughs> That that presses the envelope makes makes you think. I'm I'm I want to do like a uh, like one of my biggest goals is to make like a a really really dope like psychological thriller that's based in horror, right? You know, in that horror world, but oh, um, makes you think and kind of leaves you like almost with this unnerving feeling, right? Like it's I want you to feel like I want you to scratch scratch the the wall trying to get out the out the theater. I want you to be like. Mm, so kind of like 
So yeah. kind of like in Thriller, making you think in terms of yeah. how to get away with murder, along with, I'm not sure if you've seen that series, but man, that is a beautiful series. It made I haven't seen think. it, but I, I know it. I know it, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, I would really love, I mean, can you give us any breaking news on any horror films? <laughs> well, the first one that I did produce and I put out in theaters was a horror comedy. So you guys should check that out. It's on Amazon Prime now. Uh, it's called Tragedy Girls. So I produced it. Okay. I, I acted in it, so check that one out, it's great. Uh, so I did that one, and then also with Tragedy Girls, I can kind of say this loosely, I can't give you all the details, but uh, there is a TV series in works for that. So we're trying to get that done as well. That's awesome. Well, that, that's that's awesome that you, you've found your voice and you're, you're building a fantastic life post-career. Um, and I, I guess we can segue into the next part of our interview uh, you're a Mavs fan. That's why you're on a Mavs Fans for Life podcast. Uh, so I, I guess my first question about the Mavs is, you know, I, in doing a, a little more digging into your background and, and all, yeah. all the things you do, I was trying to find a connection to, to Dallas. Like, I was like, is he from Dallas? Did he play Did he play ball in Dallas in college? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and, no, you played at Louisville. And uh, I, I guess, what's your connection to the Mavs? Because from what I could tell, I didn't see any connections. So what drew you to the Mavs? I guess, tell me if I'm wrong, but the, the Mavs fan base seems to be a pretty diverse fan base, yeah. because like, the, like the European outreach um, yeah. and just a lot of like cool connections within the fan base. So yeah. what drew you to the Mavs? Why are you a Mavs fan? Man, 2005, my rookie year heading to New York, uh, just watching them play. I was a... Uh, you know, I knew about Dirk, obviously. Um, and, you know, he was going through all the stuff that he was going through, all the, I guess, all the skepticism and all the criticism he was getting, you know, being, you know, the proto the prototypical, I mean, really good uh, European player, but soft. He had the soft label, the whole deal. Um, you know, could, would never win. Uh, he would just be a guy that put up numbers, you know. He'll be just one of those, like, you know, European guys that comes in and, it's good for a little while, almost like a project, right? Like somebody wants to find that European player that's going to be the player, right, at that time. And so I kind of saw that. The connection with that for me, coming into 2005, my rookie year, you know, I was, my draft status was, you know, anywhere from second to fourth round. There's like, you know, this guy's kind of like a project. I played quarterback in college, so I'd only played safety a couple of years. So he's a project. He's really talented. He's athletic. He, you know, he, he passes the eye test, all those things. But, you know. We'll see. So obviously, as a competitor, you think you're going to go second round, right? You're going to go pretty high because that's what that's what we do. I went to the fourth round. I went in the middle. I went to fourth round and got drafted to the Jets. And I remember always having that chip on my shoulder um, and always wanting to prove. So, like, I come in day one, fight, fight, fight. I become the starter my first year. I mean, I start every, every, every year of my career. But come in as a starter, as a rookie, play well, make the all-rookie team. So, I, I like, I kind of – the parallels between me and Dirk and how we kind of, you know, made that transition around the same, around, around the same time that as he was, you know, coming to his own, you know, 2005, he's playing really, really well. I'm like, I, I, I like this. So I'm starting to get that. And then my, one of my publicists at the time, she knew the jet, she knew Jason Terry. And so, uh, <laughs> and so, I mean, so I started, you know, following him a little bit, paying attention. And, you know, we had like a little, a few conversations because of her, so kind of having that third person intro introduction to the jet 
Um, I started watching him as well, started paying attention to him and how just electric he was and um, how he just, he really was like a crowd magnet. Like he got the crowd into it. He entertained, he was an entertainer, yeah. but also really, really damn good at basketball. And so having them two connections and then really talking to Jet, you know, start meeting the Jet, actually started coming to games. Like, I, you know, I started watching games. I came to a couple games. I'm like, this fan base is pretty good. Like, I, the <laughs> basketball games were fun. It was exciting. And you never really thought about it because, I mean, as a football player, you think Dallas Cowboys, right? You just think about those guys and, and not the basketball team. And, like, really being a part of those two, those two worlds and then really seeing it and seeing how you guys were so passionate about it, I was like, I'm in. And then that 2006 year happened, and we're about to win the championship, and we're up 2-0. And I'm like, yeah, this is over. <laughs> and then the heartbreak happens with the, you know, with them coming back and Miami winning four games in a row and crushing all of our dreams. <laughs> I and hearing, you know, and at that point, again, like Dirk's never going to do it, right? He's this is his best chance. That team was loaded. That team was really damn good. And they couldn't get over the hump. And I was like, I'm riding with these dudes. I'm, I, I really became an honorary guy then. Like during that hard time, seeing how much work Dirk put in and how Jason put in the work, it was just like, that's me. And so it was funny. And then 06, I came in. That was my first All-Pro year in 06. So like just the trans, right around. You know, all the things, how they transpired was great. Now is the chance to use reliable energy to grow your money with the Dominion Energy Reliability Investment. Our new investment product offers competitive returns, no maintenance fees, and flexible online access to your money. Make the reliable investment in reliable energy. The Dominion Energy Reliability Investment. To find out more, go online to reliabilityinvestment.com. That's reliabilityinvestment.com. Buying a home can feel like navigating uncharted waters. Redfin agents can help. They'll answer your questions with honest advice so you know exactly what you're getting into. They'll also help you tour as many homes as you want and show you what it takes to make a winning offer. With a Redfin agent on your side, you can sail straight to your dream home. Local expertise from Redfin. That's real estate done right. Tour subject to property and agent availability. Virginia Office Falls Church, VA, 844-759-7732. No. So what, so the, the Mavs have been lucky enough to transition straight from uh, Dirk into another European basketball player who isn't too bad. He's uh, all right. He's yeah, all right. I don't know if you've heard of him. His, his name's Luka Doncic. How do you but, say his uh, last name? Yeah, yeah, uh, uh, Don Doncic. <laughs> The guys on ESPN and TNT still sometimes aren't really entirely sure how to pronounce his name, which is it shouldn't yeah, that shouldn't frustrate me as much as it does, but it, it does grind my gears. It shouldn't. They can't pronounce a lot of things, so it's okay. It's all right. It, I, it, it just grinds them too much, man. It, it shouldn't. But I, I guess my, my question is about this year's Mavs. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously Luca gets a lot of the shine. Yeah. Uh, you know, he's first team all nba all star starter all all the accolades you could want yeah uh, who would you say is the most underrated player on the mavericks that's a good question i think there's a lot of underrated players on the mavericks i think a lot of people like basketball fans alike right like the casual fans don't know a lot of our guys right like they just they hear you know they hear a cleaver they hear a dodo or they hear a brunson and and it's 
and people know Brunson more because of his college, you know, his college career in Villanova, right? Winning the championship. But there's a lot of casual fans that don't know a lot about our role players and just think that it's, you know, Luke and KP or whatever, right? And so so I think it 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 can be it can be so many guys that can be underrated on that team. But I I think they really go as far as KP goes, right? At the end of the day, it's I mean, you know, Luca's gonna be Luca, he's gonna do his thing. We know that. We saw him in the playoffs last year really prove that. And then you know, a lot of guys have stepped up over over this this, I guess, post COVID run, right? Like everybody's starting to play really well, and you're really seeing the team that they envisioned. Um, but I like I'm I'm such a big KP fan. KP's my favorite player on the team, and it's because of obviously Luca's Luca, and I love him. But KP's in that vulnerable position where when he plays and he plays well, he's the unicorn, right? And people put him on that pedestal but if he's a little off like they have no leeway with him and it's so unfair and so I root for that guy always this guy that's trying to find the balance trying to you know trying to find his footing with his excellence you know what I mean so I I, I, I root for those guys and so I think they go as far as he goes right but I think if I had to pick one person I would go with I, I would go with Dodo I will go with Dorian, Dorian Finney-Smith. He's, um, <laughs> he does everything. He's like the Swiss Army knife for them. I mean, he doesn't, the only thing he doesn't do well is, is um, he doesn't assist for guys. He doesn't make guys better in that way. He's not like a playmaker, but I mean, tell him to go guard one through, one through fucking four or five, right? Like one through five and, uh, excuse me if I if, if can't curse, but uh, one, one yeah. through five and, you know, can knock down the open shot when he's on. Um, he's starting to get better at that. And you know he just quiet, just does it all. He's he, that's 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 my that would be my my underrated guy. Yeah, he he was he wasn't too bad on Sunday either against the Jazz. He did Man, not have a he, bad game or Monday. He, he played his butt off that game. Yeah, I mean, I, I love me some Dorian Finney-Smith, man. I mean, on the contract that he's on. And I, I like what you said about KP because a lot of people always mention like, oh, we're paying him all this money to sit on the bench and stuff like that. I understand yeah. that frustration. And it's like one thing yeah. after another, the knee and then the lower back after the all-star break and now a wrist that happened in January. <laughs> it's just like KP, man, like just sit out for the play to, until the playoffs. Just sit out. <laughs> Stay home. Don't do anything. Yeah, yeah, Don't yeah. even pick up the remote. Just stay home. <laughs> Bed rest. Um, but okay. So I this is one conversation that I want to get into. <laughs> who is who is one team you want to see the Mavs go up against, match up in the playoffs? And Carrie, I love you, man, but there's only one answer to this question. <laughs> Don't mess it up. I I <laughs> From where you're going with it, I think we're probably on the same page, but it has to be the Clippers, right? Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Just from where you're going, I was like, it has to be the Clippers because it's so much hate there. And it's uh that's gonna that would be such an explosive series, man. And and they really don't like each other. And they're both really high-level teams. And it'll, it'll be it'll be a, it'll be a beautiful series. I, I don't know about I don't know if you want that first though. I mean, can we wait to the second round at least? Hey, I mean, we were scared last year, and look what we did. Oh, we're not. Oh, there's no fear. But, I mean, I just – I would think, like, more down the line, it'll be even more intense, you know? Well, in the West, it – every <laughs> – that's going to be tough. But, the West but imagine 
imagine if KP is KP and we don't even have JJ Reddick yet. Like, no, just no, imagine no. that. So the oh, Rajon Rondo. Oh yeah. No. But just a little bit later would be so much more just to be more spicy. I think from, from the three games I've seen Luca play against the Clippers, I uh I think that's a rivalry. I think we can call that a rivalry now. I got right. love for Kawhi, man, but PG needs to shut up. That that's just <laughs> that that's just my he needs to shut up. Okay, you weren't you ain't on nobody's this year. All right, you ain't on nobody. All right, because <laughs> Luca's got you playing Twister every time y'all match up. So he he was on skates for yes. sure. He was on skates. Uh, yeah. Carrie, so I, I guess that that makes me think of another question for you in terms of like rivalries in these games. And I'm sure you noticed it when the Mavs played the Clippers uh, two or three weeks back. Uh, I think it was the back-to-back in Dallas, I want to say. Yeah, yeah. And one of the reporters there were saying, like, like, I think Townsend tweeted out a picture of the Mavs bench in, like, the third quarter. And he was like, they literally have all been standing up the entire second half. And it's, and I'm sure you agree, it's very apparent that the Mavs absolutely get up a little bit more for a game against the Clippers. Yeah. See there a little bit more. You speak yeah. on the the intensity factor of a, of a rivalry game. I mean, Jets. I mean, you're going yeah. up against the Patriots. Yeah. You know, that, that, that's a big week. Yeah. You you can say like you know you're you're up for this game, and you can say that all you want. But are these guys actually like? Is there another notch that these players bring for rivalry games? For sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. Even in even pros, like once you play against a team that you deem to be your rival, to be your, because to be a rival, you also have to be equals, right? You have to both have some some type of success. So I think that kind of equates to a rivalry. So you know, knowing that that you're playing a team that's you know right there with you, um, a team that has won, and a team that you know, is going the same place in the same direction that you're going um, and going after the same things. It makes it, it just makes it more intense. It, and especially when I know last year and we all know, right? Like the Clippers were trying to intimidate the, the Mavs. And so when you try to physically intimidate somebody or even mentally try to intimidate somebody, the response has to be as an athlete, as a competitor to match that right to to throw your weight back around as well and so to have these these intimate confrontations on the court where you know it's it's different it's um it makes it a little bit more a little bit more spicy a little bit more zesty and uh you want to bring your best foot forward and I think that's the case with both of these teams when they play you can see it obviously that game we won early when we won by 50 something was it was it was an anomaly that that won't happen again. But I think that also that that woke that woke the Clippers up a little bit. Like these guys, <laughs> these guys aren't playing with us either. So it makes it even, and it makes it fun. Well, I'll say this to the competitive and the you know the toughness. If I was Luca and Marcus <laughs> stepped on my ankle, man, ref, hook, man, put this game on hold. We are gonna have to throw hands real quick. Just just <laughs> we can do what we need to do. And we can't lose, Luca, man. We can't yeah, man. lose, Luca. We can't I mean, lose. Him. Nah, I'm like, uh, hold on, everybody. Go to commercial break. Let's go to the locker room, and we'll come back out. Marcus may not come back out, but I'm going to come oh, back yeah. out, and we're going to do it. So, Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um, so when it comes to talking about more Luca, should he – I think he should. Should yeah. he be a serious – in serious contention 
for the MVP. Obviously, the injuries to yep. Harden, Duran, LeBron have helped that. But yep. I do think, you know, in his play, he's been there all year. We just pay attention too much to where they are in the rankings. I think we just pay attention to that too much. Clearly, yep. LeBron is LeBron. There's no denying his greatness. But yep. Luke is doing something James Harden's not doing, that Damian Lillard's not doing. Kevin Durant yep. hasn't been able to do it. And yep. Luca's winning. James Harden was losing. So yeah. I want to hear your thoughts on this. Yeah. Um, I think Lucas started slow this year, to be honest. I think he was uh, the first, I don't, I mean, the games are happening so quick that I don't even know, but um, you know, and he will tell you that he started, he was out of shape a little bit and that's not, that's, that's, that's not to his fault. I mean, a lot of, a lot of guys were, a lot of guys were playing their way back into shape as the season went on. Right. And so you could see him and I could see, he had no explosion early. And so he just kind of, he looked, he was still putting up numbers cause he's that great, but, he wasn't looking like he's looking now. Like he's legit right now. Top two, three players in the world right now. Like I, I will say that confidently and say that to anybody. Um, I mean, the way he makes his team teammates better, the way the easy scores the ball. I mean, there's nights when you'll see KP hit eight threes or see, or see Jason Richardson hit five, six threes. And they're still second in scoring. I'm like, how, like, how did, <laughs> how did Luca have, how did Luca score 30, 30 tonight? You know what I mean? Like it's one of those, like it's, it's in his DNA to score and to be one of the best in the world. So he's going to be that right now. Like you said, I mean, with the guys falling off and being injured, LeBron's out of it, obviously. I mean, Embiid was the front runner, I think, and he got hurt. He just came back and he's still playing well. Um, Kevin Durant's been out for 30 games. He's not going to win it. Um, James Harden's out. So to answer your question, he is in the MVP conference um, in, in that competition where he sits. I think he's top three. If the Mavericks keep winning and, and moving up, you know how they are with that. Yeah. They, they, they really have a chance. He really has a chance to win it. So, I mean, based off his play, yes. Um, where they are, not yet, but he's definitely top three. I, just, I think that he, I think that his MVP uh, bid almost entirely rides on where they are in the standings relative to the Nuggets. Because I think you could agree that uh, Nikola Jokic is probably. I was just about to say that. And so, if they're not ahead of the Nuggets in the standings, then it's going to be tough to justify that. But I mean, the way the Mavs are playing, and granted, the Nuggets are playing phenomenal as well too. I mean, they're the Nuggets are going to be a problem in the West in the playoffs. The Nuggets are a problem. Yeah, that that, and, and, that addition of Aaron Gordon is. Yeah, and Michael Porter has completely yes. found himself. Um, the, the Nuggets are going to be a problem in the West, and they're going to be difficult for the Mavs to catch. I think the Mavs are about three games behind the Nuggets right now in the standings. Yeah. I think two and a half, I think. Okay. We got the tiebreaker. But even if we get there, like Harry said, we own the tiebreaker to that. Yeah. yeah. And they're one and a half behind Portland for the six seed. So, and the way the schedule sets up, the Mavs have a pretty reasonably easy – I don't want to say easy because it's the NBA – but yeah. uh, they, they have – they've gotten through the difficult part of their schedule, and they have a lot of very winnable games coming up. And I believe sure. starting tonight, eight of their next nine are at home. So, I mean, I, I'm sure that I, – I think that fans don't often enough, you know, recognize the importance of playing at home for long stretches in these games for these athletes. When, yeah. you know, people don't account for travel enough in, when they know the game. And I'm sure you can speak to that. You know, when, you know, when, when the Jets go cross country to play the Chargers, you know, that's it's, not it's fun. It's a problem. That's yeah, a problem. that's not fun. Yeah. So, 
you know, I, I, I think that, I think that fans definitely need and analysts too need to account for travel too. And that's going to be big in this next stretch of games for the Mavs. Yeah. We get some time to, to play at home, to eat some home cooked meals, to be with their girlfriends, their wives, their children, like to really enjoy those moments as well. I mean, it just brings a levity. It brings a peace to you that you can go out and play. And, you know, you also, it's, it, it, it's tricky too. Cause if you, when you know you have time to be at home as well, sometimes you get a little relaxed. So the one thing about being on the road sometimes, and it's different for each team. I think it kind of wavers with the, the age of the team with this team being a little young, hopefully they, they're at home and they understand that and still bring the same competitive nature and the same intensity that they have been on this road trip. So it can be a tricky thing. That's why I'm a little, you know, I'm a little worried about tonight just because of, you know, being back home and the start of a lengthy uh, home set can be, can be uh, interesting. So let's hope they come out focused and, 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 and Rick has those guys ready to play. It's, it's, it's tricky. One thing. Yeah. Go ahead. I really need to get off my back because when I listen to <laughs> Undisputed, um, yeah, Skip I, yes, he needs to stop disrespecting Luca. He really does. He says he can't shoot, but yet he's shooting nearly fifty percent from the field. He's shooting thirty-seven percent from three. Yeah, mm-hmm. the free throws are not there, but man, he gets his points when when he's just breaking ankles. That's what he does. I don't care about free throws. Uh, <laughs> see, this is my thing. I think he should be MVP because. I mean, I watched Damian Lillard play, and, man, he is lethal from the three. I hate playing that, man. I hate playing Damian Lillard. Yeah, he's tough. <laughs> I hate That's playing that. that team so much. Uh, James Harden, he's crafty. He's skilled. He's gotten better with defense. Uh, but with Luka, man, at this age, he's better than LeBron at this age. Put them together at this age. He's better. He's getting yeah. to the rim so much easier. He's not even that strong, but he's not yeah. even that so athletic. Shooting better. I think uh, leadership, I don't know. LeBron was still pretty pretty solid when he was young. Even at that young, that was great. But yeah. Luka does everything, and it looks so easy, man. Like, he was giving Westbrook the business, I believe, <laughs> on Sunday, I want to say. On Sunday night, I think. Yeah, or Saturday. Saturday. Yeah. He yeah. was giving him the business. I mean – I, I love watching Luca go off, and if, especially Dorian Finney-Smith. When he has those 20-point games, man, I'm so happy. Like, he had one uh, against the Lakers last year. I believe it was 21 points. It was that yep. first game against L.A., and it was freaking LeBron versus Luca going off. That was such a great yep. game. It broke my heart because that stupid rev didn't see that hold on Seth Curry. But Oh, that killed. Oh, that killed. Yeah, that was bad. I remember that. <laughs> yeah. 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 That broke my heart, man. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I do have. I just thought of another question for you, Carrie. Regard so, Mavs and Rockets uh, tip off here in a couple minutes, yeah. and there is a Mavs tie on the Rockets. A beloved old assistant coach, Stephen Silas. He, he's now yeah. the Rockets head coach, and mm-hmm. you know it's been really tough to watch the Rockets um, over these last few over these last like month or two because I mean they're very clearly the worst team in the league. I think they're. Uh, two and 27 in their last 29. Uh, just a brutal, brutal season for them. And yeah. feel for Steven Silas because, you know, he was dealt a terrible, terrible hand. Right. Uh, he walked into the James Harden situation. Um, and, you know, th- that's just something he had to deal with. And you, you hope that the Rockets give him a fair shake in terms of, you know, the hand he was dealt because, uh, Rick Carlisle has a great history in his coaching tree. 
from uh, from Terry Stotts to uh, Dwayne Casey uh, to and then, and then we saw uh, Jamal Mosley the other night. He's up next. Stephen Silas is a, is a head coach now. So, you know, you hope that he gets a fair shake. And he looked in the middle of their 20-game losing streak, and one of his post-game pressers, he looked about as dejected as you can as you can possibly be. Can you yeah. speak on – because, you know, you, you, had, you had some great years in New York, but there were also some, some rough seasons too where, you know, you, know you, you, weren't, you weren't even close to the playoffs and you needed to, you know, grind through the season. Can you talk about the yeah. grind of a season like that? And yeah. you know how it is trying to stay focused when you're when you're struggling through a season. Yeah, uh, losing seasons are tough, man. I mean, number one, you go into every season really believing that you have a chance to win it all, right? Really, I mean, there obviously there are some teams that <laughs> that that's you can't say that, but I think even with those teams, you have goals of whatever the goal of the team is, right? Make the playoffs or whatever. So you have goals. And so when you come out and you just know once you start playing that you're not good, you, we know that. Players can sense that. But you also, as professionals, you have to go out and do your job. You have to go out and, uh, and be competitive. I mean, number one, you'll, you don't want to be embarrassed as you know, the name on the back of your jersey or the name on the front of your jersey. So there's this um, ego thing that happens where, you know, you're going to go out and try to compete and try to win. But when you're bad, you're bad. And I think when it's, when it gets really tough is the further you're along in that season. Yeah. Some guys that are, you know, some guys are fighting for contracts. Some, some guys are fighting for stats for contracts. You have some guys that are trying to get paid in general. You have guys that are trying to get traded, have tape for other teams. So as a professional, you're going to keep playing hard until, you know, there isn't any room for that left to happen because you're always auditioning for other people. Right. But I mean, when you're in it, man, I mean, there's the dejection, there's fights, there's arguments, there's internal strife that usually goes on. There's um, selfishness. Cause again, at the end of the day, you go into a game with the best game plan to win a game, right? You're not trying to lose. So you have a game plan. You're mm -hmm. trying to do these certain things, even with the shitty team you are, the things that we can do, as a team, as this bad team, this will maximize our chance to have a shot, right? But you throw all that out the window once you're a bad team because that game plan sometimes excludes other people from doing what they think they do best. And so it's this whole fight between doing the game plan or should I go get my numbers or, you know, it's, it's very tricky. It's hard. And so you can see that a lot of times when you see a bad team, you'll see there's no real continuity. There's no it looks like they're playing rec ball and, 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 and that's football, basketball, that's anywhere. It's just like, there's no real structure. Guys are trying to, to eat for themselves and, 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 and for future contracts and all those things. And that's just not a, a, a good brand of ball. So it's tough. It's very tough. I mean, when it comes to a team being bad, I mean, there's one up the road for me, two hours away in Arlington. That's pathetic. So I mean, that's, <laughs> I've been watching that for hell out of ever since I've been alive. Sorry, Nate. I know. You don't like that debate, but <laughs> oh, those, those Cowboys are pathetic. Your quarterback is Carson Wentz, not to get off track, but just wanted uh -oh. to talk to you about that. That, that is true. But his, uh, his GM actually paid him on time. <laughs> well, well I, I guess that brings us to the to our, our, our final point to, to culminate it all. And again, the whole interaction that got you onto this podcast in the first place. Um, 
you know, obviously you're a big Mavs fan and yeah. you had an interaction with Lando, LT. He goes, he's a man of many names. He's Landon, LT, <laughs> Lando. He's got, he's a man of many names. Uh-huh. And you guys uh, got into a little bit about regarding one Dwight Powell. Uh, so I, I guess Lando, take it away. If you want, if you Lando, want to what's up, man? Dwight Powell discussion. Yeah, what's up, Carrie? I appreciate you joining the, um, the Mavs Fans for Life podcast, man. This is the moment I've been waiting for. Um, <laughs> speaking of, speaking of names on the back of jerseys, pal. Yeah. So, so so let me give let me give the listeners uh, just a breakdown of um, how getting you on the episode came about. <laughs> so, <laughs> and uh, we have a star-studded lineup too. And, and and Carrie was actually the first big guest that I reached out to to get on this podcast because um, we just started this podcast last week uh, a oh, few days ago. Congratulations, guys! Thank you. Yeah, appreciate that. Yeah. Um, so so this this started Friday, April second. Uh, the Mavs were playing the New York Knicks, the anti uh, KP crowd. Um, and we, we, we were leading, uh, I believe, uh, 2019 first quarter, um, Dwight Powell, um, he got in the game. Uh, he took an uncontested shot and hit the other side of the backboard. <laughs> I, I know you remember this moment because uh, this is when it started. <laughs> and then the very next drive offensively, um, Luca had a nice um, slash to, um, to the lane and threw the lob. Yes, and he missed <laughs> the dunk. And then not, not only that, it, it, it paved the way for the Knicks to follow that up with a um, back-to-back, um, back-to-back possession with threes uh, by Quickly and then um, Alec Burks uh, making it 25 to 20. So it, that, that's, that's when Kerry and I first interacted with each other, uh, when I voiced my frustration during those <laughs> moments by Dwight Powell. Uh, Kerry was reaching out to me um, that we, that we need to encourage these players during these moments, and and um, you know I responded back like, "Hey, I'm trying to understand how this happens with, with Dwight Powell because I'm trying to find a way to do that for him, trying to find that moment um, because with with the blog, everybody knows, everybody sees when when players are struggling, I'm, I'm going to point it out." And, and when, when players are high, just like KP, when players are doing great, I'm going to hype them up. Like a, spe- a special example of that is, is Tim Hardaway Jr. You know, when he's low, we're going to point it out. When he's taking a lot of threes and, and missing a lot of threes, we're going to point it out. But when he's when he's on, he, he, he's one of the best shooters in the game. Yeah. So so look, and, and let me let me set the record straight. Um, um, when when we're having these in, in interactions. I, I, um, I said, I reached out to Carrie and I was like, let's make a deal here. If you join the Mavs fan, the new Mavs fans for life podcast, I will start encouraging the white pal. <laughs> so, if, you, if you've seen lately, I, I haven't been, I haven't been criticizing. I've been, I've been highlighting his moments because I'm a man of my word. I, we got you on the podcast. So, I'm going to start encouraging Dwight Powell. I didn't say this on my personal Twitter, but on the Mass Fans for Life Twitter, <laughs> I will start encouraging. Because let's, let's, let's set this record, uh, record straight. Dwight Powell would beat me 100 times out of 100 times one-on-one in basketball. Nice. In, in, in no way 
and I might get one shot out of those hundred games, but in no I mean, way you're, 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 re you're reaching, you're reaching right there. I'm reaching for that one shot. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'll take, I'll take, I'll take just being there to play against him, mm -hmm. but um, no way am I saying he's bad at basketball. He made it to the league. He, he plays in the league and he's been doing it for multiple years. Um, he, he's a great person in the community charity um, leadership in the national basketball players association. Um, with, with that said, I do think he doesn't compare to the players around the league that gets his minutes, um, mm -hmm. including, including his teammates. It doesn't have, he doesn't have the trade value as a Maxi Kleber or he, and especially with his contract, he's owed two additional years after this year for 22 million. Um, yeah. he's, he's undersized. He plays center um, mostly and he's undersized at that position. And he's not a shooter. It doesn't fit the scheme as um, um, Porzingis, obviously. Um, he, he, he's a star in his own right. But he doesn't fit the scheme as just like Maxi and Kleber. He doesn't rebound as well as and doesn't have the length as Willie Cauley-Stein and Boban. Yep. And then you have Melly, who we just acquired, who just makes winning plays. He's not a stats guy, but he always will have a great plus minus. Yep. Um, so I want you to take me – take the fans – take the listeners um, into a mind of a professional athlete. Do you read the comments from fans online? Cause we see the national media, but um, particularly fans. Um, yeah. And does that criticism um, and negative comments have any sort of impact on your play? Uh, uh, hmm, that's a good question. I think if I was to give a percentage of how many people actually, how many players actually see the fans comments i would probably say around 80 percent really i would say like 80 percent of, wow. of of us players come across not every not every comment obviously but there are comments that we come across and we see that stuff and it's um and it and it hurts i mean it, to be honest it really does i mean we can try to pretend that we have thick skin and it, and it doesn't matter because that's what we do right we have to go on and get get to the next play and and get to the next game, blah, 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 whatever. But yeah, I mean, we see it, we're human. And especially in, in social media now and the way that that's become the new news outlets, right? Like, it's not like we have to go search for it. We're on, we're on social media just like you guys. So when, you know, those comments circulate and we see it and we, 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 we see fans uh, voicing their displeasure. I used to see it a lot, I mean, you know, I play New York, so it's always yeah, New York fans are crazy. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, you talk about, you know, hearing, hearing, hearing it all. I mean, I've heard it all. I've heard I was the best in the world. I've heard I was the shittiest in the world. I've heard it all from both ends of the spectrum. Right. So mm -hmm. it just it, it, it hurts. Um, so it also the, 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 the brilliant thing about really understanding who you are and knowing what your strengths are and knowing what your team expects from you. I, Behind closed doors, they have conversations, right? The GM, the coach, all the, the player have the conversations of what they're asked to do. Dwight Powell's asked, asked to do a specific thing. And obviously, the organization thinks he does that well enough to be on the court, right? So, I mean, mm -hmm. as a casual fan or as an um, informed fan, to, to see the the product on the court or on the field not living up to your expectation or as a fan expectation, you can voice your displeasure as well. But I think there's a 
a way to do that without it being so aggressive. Like you said, yeah. if he's doing good or he's doing bad, like you're consistent. If you're consistent, that's one thing, right? But if you're somebody that's going on there just to spew hate or just to be negative, that's that's where I, I draw the line with interacting with people that way. Or or for me, like I said, I have to I have to like reinforce positivity in general. That's who I am. So if I see that stuff going on, I'm I'm going to speak my mind as well in a way that it's going to be. Like I said, positive, it's not going to be anything that attack anybody back or anything. It's just, listen, man, I understand because <laughs> I look at Dwight sometimes and I'm like, all right, Dwight, you got to make that dunk. Or Dwight can't jump. Dwight can't jump right now. Or whatever, right? Like, you can see him working his way back. Because before he got hurt, he was playing really well before he Correct. tore the yeah. Olympics. And so you've got to take those things into account, man. And just like everybody else, like I said, everybody was fighting to get back in shape and get back into the game flow and to be off uh, with an Achilles injury and then not really be able to be in tip top shape either because he's, you know, he just can't, he hadn't been in any, hadn't played in any real games or anything. And it's hard. So I'm more apt to give him a little more leeway than somebody because I know what the process is to get back on the court after an injury and have, and, and have to perform right away. I mean, I, the one thing that was really weird was that they put him in the starting lineup to start because that was, that's a lot. That's yeah. a lot to ask for that guy. So, you know, just taking all those things into account, man. But you did come back and, and, and you just did that now. And now I feel better about our interaction and where you're going to go moving forward. You're going to be fair. You're going to be right. But you're also. Oh, man, you, you watching me now, huh? So uh -huh. we, we got <laughs> to build that relationship because we want you back on this podcast. So we got to build that relationship. I got I to gotta stick to my word. But you got to stick to your uh, word, man. I know I know Michael's fuming at this 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 conversation. I want to I want to hear his thoughts um, to carry on this conversation right here. Come on, Mike. Okay, Carrie. Um, <laughs> Dwight Powell is not good at basketball. Uh, look, I've even been talking with Nate on this. Um, start Boban. I'll play Jalen Brunson at the five if that means I don't have to see Dwight Powell and Willie Cauley Stein. Okay, that's just. Man, did you hear a thing? Did you hear a damn thing he just said? <laughs> I, I, I did, man. I did. But just like Carrie, he has to say what he has to say. I am that same way. And I, come on, man, Mike. Come on, Mike. Look, man. I, after what I just said, you don't you don't understand that part of him getting. You don't think he was playing well before he got hurt. He, he was, was playing. He was yeah. actually playing really well. He was one of the, in my opinion, one of the best lob threats. He was one of the best pick and roll big men in the. Yes, NBA. one of the NBA best NBA. pick and roll big men. But even when he was healthy, he would struggle against other bigs in defense. He he yeah. would struggle. Right. And now and now when this injury happened, in my mind, I'm just like, dude, like, what is he going to contribute now? And I'm with you. Like starting him immediately against those first three games we had phoenix la yeah. clippers that was that that was crazy man yeah um yeah. I, i'm really giving him a pass honestly for this first year because i i've had some conversation with some players and an achilles injury is probably the hardest to come back from you have to re retrain the way you train you have to rethink your mindset a lot yeah. goes in your mind when you're even playing your first game your first season back and it, a lot goes into it so uh, I'm more down on Willie Cauley-Stein than I am Dwight Powell, if I'm being honest. I mean, a guy that's that long and still gets beat 
and ran by. I, I just don't like it. But with Dwight, I mean, one thing you can never question is that the effort that he gives and the yeah. emotion that he shows on the court. And I'm just I'm, I'm waiting, man, because if we still had that same Dwight Powell, I still think we're so much more dangerous because he's catching lobs. I mean, I haven't seen too many lobs from him, man. I, I really haven't. Yeah. Uh, and Dwight Powell, I mean, no one's questioning the man. The, I mean, the man that he is. Yeah, for sure. But this first year, I I do want to see a little bit progression. See if he can step it up in the playoffs because I do think the Mavs are making the playoffs. Uh, yeah. yeah. That that that's where it's gonna matter. Uh, right now, I just want to see him just continue to work, 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 and that's all you can do. Like you said, as a professional athlete, if you're just going in and you know you're hearing and you're not performing up the task. Oh, well, that day's over. Come back the next day. Let's get grinding again. New yeah. conversation with your teammates. So I, I'm i really just more down on Willie Cauley-Stein. I want to play Dwight Powell more. I want to play Boban more than Willie Cauley-Stein. And Boban <laughs> proved that the other night oh, against Washington. Bo- Man, Boban can play for sure. Yeah, I don't know why he doesn't play. Well, he doesn't play because he can't guard anybody on the perimeter at all. So if, they, if it just, it, it's all matchup based with him, right? So – Yes. I mean, if we want to, if they want to play small ball and we want to go big and punish them on the other end, then that's a, that's a coach decision. Right. But he can't, there's just some teams he cannot play against. He just can't guard. That's it. Cause he's a force. I mean, he can catch the ball. He can score. He can finish. I mean, everybody likes him obviously. So no, I mean, he's, he's a joy. Yeah. One of the, in going back to the Dwight Powell conversation, one of the things that you said that I found very interesting and, it was a pretty big topic recently um, in the NCAA tournament was like social media with athletes. And mm-hmm. nowadays there's like, it, it's like a, you have direct access to these athletes, be it in DMS or in their Twitter yeah. or in their comment section. And I'm sure you saw like for like in some, and fans are crazy to the point where it goes too far and it can be toxic. Um, I'm sure you saw what happened with EJ Liddell, the Ohio state basketball player who had all kinds of hate speech in his DMs when when they got upset as a two seed mm-hmm. by Oral Roberts in the first uh-huh. round, uh, he posted it on his on his Twitter and was like, "Look, I'm human. I like I don't deserve this." And I didn't see that. No. Yeah, and, and it, I'm, I'm sure you've experienced that to some degree at some point in your career, where yeah. fans do tend to take it too far, and you know that people lose sight all the glitz and the glamour of being a professional athlete. And you're right. Hearing it from you is is interesting to hear because, you know, a lot of times I'm probably guilty of it, too, where you forget that these guys are humans, too. You know, that they they, they they walk, they they breathe, they they eat, they, they do everything just like you. I mean, they, they might not play football or basketball like me, but, you know, they, they do damn near everything else like me. And so that, that is an interesting perspective that I think every fan and athlete has to keep in mind when, you know, the interactions between, because interaction between fans and players and coaches is great. You know, that's how you build the league. That's how you build relationships with the fan base. Right. You know, it it can go too far where, you know, things get out of hand and hateful things are said and the Mm -hmm. athletes, there's nothing they can really do about it. They just kind of have to take it, you know, got to take it. And we are also thrown to the equation that, we're dealing with regular, regular stuff as well, stuff that everybody else deals with as well. So we're bringing personal problems from home or things that we're going through. Um, we're not playing well. We're in a struggle. Like, we, we, we take that. We know what that feels like. I mean, we're going through that stuff, and we're actually feeling it. So 
just like you guys, you know, were joking and talking about Dwight Powell, right? Like, how do you think he feel? He knows he's not performing the way that he's used to or he can. So, <laughs> so like taking that on top of on top of the criticism, it's just tough. Yeah, it, you know, the whenever a fan comes at an athlete and they're like, "You're not doing that," and it's like, "Well, well, dude, you think that you think he doesn't know that?" Like, yeah. Dwight Powell knows he's not playing up to his standard. Right. And it is because when, when you guys touched on it earlier, you know, it is unfortunate because he was playing great basketball before he got before he got injured and, uh, and blew out his Achilles last season. He was one of the most effective pick and roll lob big men in the entire NBA. And it, his contract looked great. And now he's not up to that standard. And now you're kind of like, you know, 22 million over the next two seasons. You know, how are you going to move that money? So, you know, it, it is tough to because you do feel for the man. And, you know, he knows he knows like he's well aware. He knows. Yeah. He's well aware. And, and when the Mavs were on their losing streak earlier in the season and they were losing games left and right, and people are in the like, fire. Rick, Luke, Luca's going to leave. You know, Rick Carlisle knows that Rick Carlisle knows that they're not playing well. So, yeah, I, I really do appreciate that that perspective, Gary. No problem. Got you, man. Got you guys. Well, uh, we're going to go ahead and wrap up this interview. I, I do want to say, Carrie, uh, uh, Landon mentioned that we just started this podcast about a week ago. Uh, me and Michael have done a smaller scale Mavericks podcast for, for this season. We started back in December. Mm-hmm. And then some things happened at our, at our, old, at our old place we, we worked at. Uh, we broke off. And uh, one of the writers for the page reached out to me. And then I got in touch with Landon and then we brought the podcast to this network and Landon was excited about bringing a podcast to this network. And, you know, the, the page has a pretty good following um, and we're looking to build on that. We're going to have lots of great guests and yep. you know, you're a great first one to start off with. So I just want to say, I think I can speak for me, Michael and, and uh, Lando, you know, we really appreciate you coming on. Uh, you gave some fantastic insight and we'll love, we'd love to have you on again at some point down the road because this was awesome. Yeah, this is beautiful, man. No question. Uh, thanks, for, thanks for having me, man. And I'm always around and just know I'm, I'm available. So if you reach out, I'm around. Now is the chance to use reliable energy to grow your money with the Dominion Energy Reliability Investment. Our new investment product offers competitive returns, no maintenance fees, and flexible online access to your money. Make the reliable investment in reliable energy. The Dominion Energy Reliability Investment. To find out more, go online to reliabilityinvestment.com. That's reliabilityinvestment.com. The only thing better than grinding all night for your side hustle is your roommate picking you up with Mickey D's breakfast. The perfect pickup deal. There's a deal for every morning at McDonald's. Right now, taste breakfast perfection when you get a warm and savory sausage McMuffin with egg for just $2.50. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. 